What's going on, family? It's your boy, Elder Hinton, a.k.a. Lou Detroit Chosen. Listen, we are on here on a live podcast right now, Cold Blue Matters of the Heart. I'm on here with my special guest on tonight, someone that I know very, 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 very well. Um, I have my wife, my wife on here with me, uh, Otisha Hinton, or everybody want to call her Tish, or some people call her OJ, but I know her as Tisha, so... She is on here with me on tonight. We're going to be talking about some things about the millennial marriage and the things that we have to go through as millennials um, with millennial marriage. Remember, this episode of this podcast is called Cold Blue Matters of the Heart. What is Cold Blue? Cold Blue uh, is a medical term for, uh, and if you are medical personnel, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Cold Blue is something where I believe is dead. They have to. Revive it. It's something, uh, a medical term where uh, you have to revive something. So we're using cold blue matters of the heart. Again, I'm Elder Hinton, aka Lou the Chosen, and I'm on here with my wife, Tisha, and we are excited about this podcast. This is my first podcast of the year of 2021, and I'm going to do everything that I can to continue to do what I'm supposed to do. But Nonetheless, let's go ahead and jump right into what we have on tonight. First of all, I want to open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll go forward. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for allowing us to use this platform to just talk to one another and to just to share our story and the struggles of what we've gone through and how you had to revive us in a cold blue situation and how our hearts were in different places, but you found a way to mend those hearts together so that we can be one throughout the struggles and the trials and everything that we had to go through. The fact that we stood in your word and we stood by you, you brought us through. So I'm asking that you just be with us in the midst of this podcast. I ask that whatever we talk about touches somebody on tonight and somebody will be revived in the in portions of their life where they feel like they're dead in Jesus name. Amen. All right, let's Amen. jump right to it. So first thing I want to say to you, Tish, is uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. I've already told them who you are. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, just get started uh, with that. So go ahead. You introduce yourself to the people. Um, my name is Tish, um, Tish Hinton. Um, I am the wife of Elder Lewis Hinton, as he likes to go by, or Lou the Chosen. Um, but I call him Lewis or Bay or whatever, you know, fits at that time. Um, we have known each other for a very, very long time. Um, I'm very excited about this podcast tonight. Um, I hope that everyone can um, learn something, you know, pick up something, grab some nuggets, some knowledge, um, just from us being transparent and um, opening up our hearts on this podcast tonight. Good stuff, good stuff. So, First thing I want to do, you know, of course, I always got to jump into the word of God before we go for before anything. That's just the foundation of who we are anyway. Right? right. So the first thing I want to jump into is we're going to talk about this millennial marriage thing. Right. But what we have to understand, too, is that the Bible clearly says in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to go to uh, right here in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22. And this is a very familiar piece of scripture that everybody should know. And even if you don't know, you're going to be introduced to this portion of scripture on today. Um, this portion of scripture says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, it says, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing and obtain favor from the Lord. So it says, whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing 
and obtain the favor of the Lord. So it doesn't say that she that found of a husband, it says that he that found of a wife. So that's just set that precedent there first. So I had to find you, but God had to put me in the position to find you. Right. So let's talk about some things as in the beginning. I want to hear from your perspective, and we're going to do something different tonight. We're going to do it from a female's perspective. We're also going to do it from the male's perspective. But, you know, everybody has their own story about how things happen. So how did it happen between me and you from your perspective? Um, from my perspective, how it happened was um, we were 14 um, in high school, um, going to West Charlotte High School, um, babies, we were kids. Um, I tell everybody you stalked me, you was my stalker. Um, and basically, what that means that, that stalker aspect, what that basically means is that um, he liked me a lot. Um, he pursued me a lot, a lot. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't like him. I was very well attracted to him. Um, but Lewis was a football player, um, a, a star football player, and that he wasn't, you know, a bench rider. You know, he was definitely someone who played and got time. And he was very, he was well known, um, definitely um, at that point in time from a different environment um, that I really didn't know. Um, and just to paint that picture, um, I, I've, I've always been a church kid, so um, I'm a church kid coming to West Charlotte High School um, all the way from Matthews, North Carolina, so I was literally coming all the way from the other side of Charlotte to a whole nother different side where, you know, the environments and the culture are two different things when you um, don't grow up in that, in that environment, so with me being innocent, me being naive, um, me being a child and um, having, I guess, self-esteem issues and, you know, still trying to find myself, still trying to learn myself, you know, still trying to uh, waking up in the morning, you know, does this look right? Am I pretty? Am I not? And for this football player to be so attracted to me and so um, into me, it was just oblivious to me. And to be honest, I thought it was a joke. Um, I felt as though this was just some type of prank him and his teammates had set up, um, some type of just, just something that the that teenage boys do, you know, they, they plot out and I was the prey and I wasn't really willing to be nobody's kind and anybody's prank. Um, but needless to say, in order for Lewis to talk to me, um, he had to purchase my lunch. Um, and when I say purchase lunch, um, I'm not talking about the, the regular school line, uh, school food line. I'm not talking about the hot food line. I'm talking about back in the day, you know, it was a Domino's pizza and the fries. You know, if you were able to get the Domino's pizza and the fries, you know, that basically mean, you know, you were somebody a little bit, you know, so... You so, want to talk to me? Buy my lunch. So, so you saying that back in the day when we were in the school, when we were at West Charlotte, the fact that if I could buy pizza and a juice, that means that I was somebody by what I could buy. Kind, kind of, sort of. You know, we were kids. You know, so 
you you think oh because they're able to you know afford because pizza and fries that wasn't expensive that's about five six seven dollar lunch because the pizza already two dollars a slice you know then you got to get the fries and then you you can't have milk you got to get the juice you know and then you may want a sugar cookie you know to go along with it so basically that was how he was you know able to grab my attention you know because you know I, I've always been a, a a thick or plush girl so I like my food so um yeah that's how the only so, way he was able to talk to me so let me make this disclaimer real quick you know I'm gonna just be be funny and always so you telling me you was an innocent gold digger okay no I was not a gold digger it was just this I was very innocent I didn't have any type of uh I, I just ain't know I was naive. I wouldn't say innocent because I feel like we all have, you know, things that we do, but I was naive and I didn't know. So, I mean, you can call it a gold digger. I mean, at the end of the day, I won. So, I mean, you, if that's what you want to say, I was, I was a gold digger. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I won. So, Gold digger, this if that's your story, you know what I'm saying? That's your story. That ain't my story. I wouldn't say I'm a gold digger in my story. Okay, so I I, I would definitely will say that I agree with your story. Um, you know, we've always had this thing going back and forth to where we try to prove who's right and who's wrong. But you know, you know, honestly, wholeheartedly, her portion of the story is right. But um, you know, growing up back then uh, at West Charlotte, me playing football, you. When I left West Charlotte, you was in the band. You did multiple other things before when I left West Charlotte. And mind you, I only spent one year. My freshman year was was at West Charlotte. That was just one year. Uh, coming from James Martin Middle School, played football at James Martin, ended up playing junior varsity at uh, West Charlotte. Everybody thought I played varsity. I actually played junior varsity football at uh, West Charlotte High School um, with, a, with a few other, uh, you know, headhunters that I went to school with. You all know I'm Garnett, uh, Boo Boo. Uh, Keith, uh, Gavin, Mike, uh, Travis mm -hmm. passed away. Uh, what, what was our junior year? Junior year. Junior year mm -hmm. high school. I was actually at another school when he passed away. Uh, JJ, uh, so many different people that Trent Guy, both Trents, uh, people that I've come in contact with and I played ball with. But the thing is, is that, um, yeah, we, we grew up, you know, in an era to where uh, what you wore um, made you who you was. You know, uh, it was just one of those things to where if you back in the day, we wore what? Jabot jeans, Dickie mm -hmm. out. Uh, <laughs> of course, you had to have the J's. Everybody had to have the new pair of Jordans that came yeah. out. Uh, no matter what it was. If you wore Team Jordan, that means that you were borderline trying to get there, but you ain't quite there yet. <laughs> there yet. So, so, you know, it really what, what, what you wore and what your possessions were kind of defined who you were. Uh, we can definitely say that back then. So by you being a person, uh, one of those persons who actually had the Jordans and the Air Force Ones and the clothes and the gear, but still dealt with insecurities because a guy that you, that was interested in you, as they would say, was a football player, a jock. You wasn't a cheerleader. You weren't none of those things. You just felt like you were just the average Joe. Right. Average, you know, whomever she may be on campus. But you got this star football player that you say that's liking you and, 
you know, just trying to get to know you and everything like that, just pursuing you, but you still dealt with your insecurities. So when you say that, you know, you dealt with your insecurities, uh, just explain a little bit of what that, what that, what that means for, for the person who is dealing with something like that now, with somebody who may be pursuing them. Um, I think as a kid, we all go through insecurities of um, basically trying to to find ourselves. You know, we want to go to school. We want to look cute. We want the boys to, you know, pay attention to us. We want the boys to, you know, be attracted to us. Um, some, you know, some girls went about getting that attention in a different way, and I wasn't that type of a girl. Um, so it was it was hard for me to to even try to find myself, to even try to understand myself. And, you know, looking back at it, I wouldn't feel like I, I'm, I didn't, I never really felt like I had the latest fashion. I was very blessed um, during my, during, during all my years of high school, but my freshman year, I was definitely blessed up until um, right before my senior year, because I still had my grandfather who funded, you know, my clothes, who funded, you know, my, my sneakers and things of that sort. And, you know, I went to school, I got the grades, I was able to get the wardrobe that I wanted. Um, so it definitely helped with my confidence um, a little bit with being able to uh, keep up with the latest and being able to, you know, actually, you know, have the things that I wanted. And sometimes I miss that mark, you know, sometimes I thought I was cute and then I get to school and I'm like, bro, what did I, what was I thinking? you know, putting this on or putting this together. But um, it, my insecurities mainly centered around around my weight. Um, I was never a, a small a small girl. I've always been a girl that was heavier, on the heavier side. Um, and honestly, I still struggle with that insecurity, not as much because I'm an adult now, but when we're kids, you know, our thoughts really out, you know, outweigh us and overweigh us, you know, um, my weight, I, I dealt with, you know, I had bad skin, shoot, I still got bad skin, once again, it's not as bad, because I'm an adult now, but um, just being, just trying to find me, and once again, I'm in a completely different environment, um, I'm a church kid, I, I'm sheltered, I'm, you know, I've never rode the city bus, you know, things of that sort. So when I get, it, it was literally a culture shock to me. I've always wanted to go to West Charlotte. My mom went to West Charlotte. My grandmother went to West Charlotte. So it was kind of like a family tradition for me to go to West Charlotte. So I always wanted to go there um, and be a part. But when I got there, I was like, yo, this is you know, this is different. You know, I I came from Mint Hill Middle School. That was it was a predominantly white school. You know, you know, and in eighth grade, you know, because you know I was a, a month and being able to adapt to a many of the um, the black kids that went there or the African American kids that went there, I was known at Mint Hill Middle because you know our culture was so closed in, but that culture was different. You know, we were sheltered, you know, over there in Mid Hill compared to coming to the other side of the tracks of Bettysville Road. There's two different things, so. See, my aspect with that though is this, my portion of that is that I wasn't, at the time I wasn't privileged 
And I'm only saying that in a way because of the dynamic of the African-American community of where we come from. You know, those who know, I, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. You know, I moved here to Charlotte when I was in the sixth grade. So me coming from D.C., I went to, my, my, my elementary school was literally not even two seconds out my back door. So I went to Ketchum Elementary School, which is a predominant, which is a black school in DC. And then I moved from DC, my sixth grade year, I moved from DC here to Charlotte. When I moved to Charlotte, I go to James Martin Middle School, school that you taught at. Mm -hmm. The middle school that I went to is the school that you right. taught at last year and the years previous to that. So I moved from Washington, DC, transferred from DC. I go to James Martin Middle School. I get in James Martin Middle School, right? Predominantly black at that time. Still predominantly black at that time. Uh, it's still today, right? So I was used to the rough, the rugged, the tracks and all that other stuff, like just think that things that you weren't used to. Right. When I moved to Charlotte, I grew up on Bakersfield Road. Mm -hmm. Hook Avenue, Dundee, Celia, Augusta, all of them. I grew up in that area. I grew up in the area where it was low poverty, was crime, but we did what we had to do to make it through. Right. See, some people think it's a thing, you know, they, some people say, oh, you, you privileged, you know, you, you, you came from, nah, you were just blessed. You, you, you were just blessed enough to have parents that provided for you in a way to where you didn't have to experience the struggle. But those who have experienced the struggle, when we actually obtain things that you had when you were a kid and we attained it, even in our adulthood, we're like, mm -hmm. Man, I, I done made it. Right. I done did something with myself, right? So you coming from across the track, to West Charlotte, culture shock for you. Then you see this dude that like you with dreads, long teeth, baggy jeans, bow jeans, uh, Air Force Ones, yeah. uh, uh, do rags, all this other stuff. Just a culture shock because this ain't this ain't me here. I'm on Bakersfield for a road. Yeah, clearly, right, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And and the fact of of who you were as well. You were you were well known. I mean, you still well known and it drives me crazy now, you know, but you were well known um, in school, you know, everybody knew you and I'm, and I'm just like, you know, why are you even attracted to me? How did you even find me? How did you even notice me um, at this point? Because I, ain't, I first and foremost, I'm nobody's cheerleader. You know, so, and I wasn't, you know, involved in any extracurricular activities my freshman year. So, how did you even find me? I don't even think we had class together. So, yeah. so my. And that's the thing. We had no classes. No classes. That we were at West Charlotte. No classes at all. Right. But let me, let me touch on this real quick before we go further, before we go any further into this. So, you talked about the insecurities that you had and. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 let me just say this, a privileged kid coming from me here, right? Okay, yeah. You had the, you had the insecurities of just, you know, self-awareness, uh, uh, self-esteem, all these different other things, right? Right. So just think about me and the insecurities that I had as a black boy coming from the hood. I, I, now that I'm an adult, I understand that. You know, see, I, I, thing, I definitely will understand that. See, the thing is, is when I had friends, even in high school, the insecurity that I had is when I had friends about, you know, like all my friends lived in the university area. It was only a quite a few of us who actually came and lived on Bakersfield Road. 
So when I came in contact with my friends who lived on, like, even back, back then, West Sugar Creek, I thought West Sugar Creek was a suburb. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of... I'm going to be honest, it's sort of kind of, it's borderline hood, but borderline Depending on, hood. yeah, depending so, on which side you want. So my insecurities was this. Man, I'm, bro, I don't have the, the, uh, 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 the big house. I thought whoever lived in a modular home that looked like, that there was two stories, bro, they got money, you know? So me coming from Booker Ave, coming from Pitch Drive, you know, and interacting with all my friends who don't actually live in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. they came from different areas to come to West Charlotte. Yeah. I could walk to school from my house and be at West Charlotte in five minutes. Right. Right. I walk straight up Bakersfield Road past Northwest and the West Charlotte right there on Senior Drive and I'm right there at the school. Right. So my insecurities growing up, yeah, I was a star football player. Yeah, I was this. Yeah, I was that. But guess what? I still had insecurities about where I was from, about right. my story. So it's like me coming in contact with you seeing how different you were, and then you seeing how different I am, they say opposites attract, right? So then we make this bond, we talk, we, you know, we go through different things, and, you know, it's just like, you know, I, it, it just, it just, I don't want to say it worked. I do believe that everything that happens is preordained by the Lord. He, he makes it happen. Right. And, and, and whatever he, whatever plan that he has for you, regardless of what you thought your plans would be, he'll flip your plan so that you can adapt to his blueprint. Amen. Right? That's true. So therefore, it's like, okay, yeah, I come from the hood, but you come from a place where it's privileged. How can those two things mix? Because it's almost like oil and water. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, so we had to know, to be honest, you have to know that it was God that put us together the way he did. Even though you from Mid Hill, I'm from Vegas Ford. I'm from the hood, you from the suburbs. This little ratchet, nappy head, ghetto, non-speaking. I wouldn't say all that. Nah, no, nah, I'm gonna be real. Let's just be honest. Let's just keep it cold cut. I we, would not say I all that. And I'm, yeah, you and were look, good, but you were kept, a part of your listen, culture. Listen, and quiet is kept. I ain't, I ain't ashamed of it. I'm still hood. You are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you are. Listen, I'm not ashamed of it. It's who I am. It makes up who I am. But I'm also showing people where I come from, that you don't have to be a product of your environment. Right. Not saying that I didn't indulge in the things that went on in my environment because I absolutely did. Mm -hmm. My friend, my not not even listen. The people that I grew that I grew up with on Pitch Drive and Vegas Forward, I don't even consider them friends. That's family. They family. Aaron, mm -hmm. uh, Tank, Mimi, Misha, uh, uh, John. Uh, 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 Mitri, Will, Raybo, Val, all these different people, DeAsia, Kaysan, my little brother Kaysan who passed away a few years, like all the, we were family. Right. That was friendship, that was family because we all stuck together. We may have fallen out, we may have did something, but guess what? If somebody else from somewhere else come down to the hood trying to do something to somebody, oh no, you got to go through all of us. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a thing, uh, 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 it, it was family. And then right. I had my family, my cousin Nick, my cousin Loretta, DeAsia, Mookie, uh, my cousin Keisha, mama lived on uh, on Druid Circle. So it's like I, I, I had different things, but I still had insecurities. Right. Right, because of where I was from. And it was more, and it was more so a shameful thing, because like, hey, bro, can we come to your house? I'm like, nah, bro, you can't come to my house. 
Nah, you can't come. I mean, I can come to your house, but I don't think my, my mama wasn't the type of like, oh, you can have company. Right. It was only a few select people that she had let in my house. But my mama wasn't like that. You see what I'm saying? She she would uh she uh uh she would just you know I don't know, my mom was a different breed. We you know that <laughs> she was a different breed. But long story short, uh uh with that portion of, of the of this segment, it is it's 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 never count yourself out. And I think I just preached that about a week ago. Right. Don't count me out. And for whomever has been in a position where they counted themselves out. You can't count yourself out because you never know what God has for you. Right. And the thing is, is that when we give up on ourselves, it means that we don't have any hope. Because we feel like, oh, I come from the hood or I come from this, I never amount to nothing. I'm going to be a product of who I, of my environment. But the crazy thing is, is that what happens is that sometimes, not sometimes, I'll say majority of the time, nine times out of ten, People who live in low poverty areas who live in those environments actually do become a product of their environment. Right. But you do have the choice to break those generational curses and those chains because it's all about your decision making and your choices, right? Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, you know, whomever's listening, don't count yourself out of any situation that you feel like that you're in because you never know what the situ- what the end game is going to be. Right. Because at the end of the day, like you know, our pastor Pastor Green talked about this. You know, he said, uh, stay, stay to the end. Let the credit for the credits. Yeah. Stay for the credits. Right. Yeah. I may have come from the hood. This is just the start of the movie, but stay to the end of the movie. So you can see the credits of where I am now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we give up. We don't even give up in the beginning. We don't even give up in the end because at the end, you can't do anything else. We give up in the middle mm-hmm. when you have to actually go through that thing and have to go through certain and put in the work to get to where you want to be, you you tend to just give up. Right. We end up selling drugs, going to jail, doing all the things that I've done mm-hmm. and have overcome those things because I stayed to the end of the credits. I didn't count myself out. Right. right. Boom. All right, so we got that. We got that wrapped up, right? So now we talk about us meeting. We went through high school. Let's talk about the separation point from ninth grade uh, to where we are now. That's the biggest part portion of our story because not honestly in our freshman year, we we dated without dating. Yeah, we, we was like a, a couple without we think, we the title. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it was more of like a, a secret thing with us because I, I wasn't trying to let nobody know, you know, that we even had whatever it was that we had, you know, we I don't even have a title for it. Because of my insecurity. So, yeah. Okay. So, let's talk about let's talk about this cold blue matters of the heart from your perspective and I talk about cold blue from my perspective. And let's give the people your perspective of cold blue and the separation that you had, that we had from each other and the things that you had to go through in order for us to circle back around to come back to each other. Okay. Um. So, you know, after our freshman year, you, you left, you relocated. Um, didn't know where you were. So once again, we're, we're 14, we're kids. Um, at that point in time, I, I didn't have a cell phone. I don't think I got a cell phone until after my sophomore year. Um, so even trying to, you know, communicate um, with you or 
even trying to find you. Social media wasn't even that popping back then. I don't even think uh, it was MySpace, but MySpace wasn't popping until maybe about the end of sophomore year, junior year, you know, so we basically like lost connection, you know, so in reality, you know, we only knew each other for that year, you know, that school year. Um, I continued to go to um, West Charlotte, um, graduated from there, um, and went through some things, you know, went through um, my, me losing my grandfather, you know, which was, um, it was everything to me, um, and was the reason why I was able to, you know, had the Jabos and the Jays and the Forces, you know, because, you know, Leslie wasn't, she wasn't really, you know, feeling doing all of that. Um, so where I had to, you know, get a job my senior, um, before my senior year, um, my mom went through a divorce my senior year. So um, having to, you know, be that, that emotional support, not just for my mom, but for my siblings as well. Um, you know, my, my life started to change drastically, I would say, you know, right around, um, right around my senior year when, when we lost my grandfather, my mom went through that divorce and, you know, all of that extra stuff. And from there on, um, I, we left Matthews, I would say the end of my junior year, because that was around the time they had separated. Um, the end of my junior year, we left Matthews, we left the big house on the hill, as you call it. Um, and uh, we basically- Huge house on the hill, wasn't just no big house. It, whatever, it was okay. So we left the big house on the hill and relocated to different areas to, um, basically my mom having to collect herself, you know, having to, you know, be a single parent, having to do a lot on her own. Um, so I watched my mom go through a lot. Um, I watched her go through a lot. Um, we even went, we even went through something at West Charlotte that still bothers me to this day. Like it haunts me to this day, you know, but you know, where we were accused of something and and it's so crazy because because no we being accused of this, but you don't even know what we were going through. You know, and what we're being accused of, it's like you had no idea. We were struggling over here, you know what I'm saying? Trying to figure out where we gonna lay our head at, let alone, you know, you know what you what y'all think we got going on, you know. So I don't mean to cut you off, but I it's just key that you said that though, because now it's like even though you had what you had, there still were struggles in the household. Right, right, absolutely. So it's never the fact that, oh, I come from the hood and I got it worse, but I'm from the suburbs and I still got it bad in my house. Right, right, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So we was on the same page. Yeah, so basically, you know, we, with during that process, you know, we, you know, I, I watched my mom struggle. Um, I watched her be a strong, a strong woman. You know, we moved from house to house. We went from here, we went, we went from there. Um, kind of got, kind of got stable towards the end of my senior year. Um, I was able to go to prom. I literally was able to go to prom last minute, literally the week before my mom was like, but you went. 
but I went, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to go, you know, and I didn't go um, my junior year. I really wasn't interested in going my junior year. And I, because junior year, they had the prom in the Omni of West Charlotte. And I was like, I ain't trying to go to that, you know, prom supposed to be in a hotel or, you know, something like that. So I didn't go my junior year. So my senior, and we were at a point where I didn't think, you know, I was going to go my senior year, but, you know, God made, made a way to where, um, I was able to go my senior year, you know, I went with, um, with people who I, you know, I considered my friends then and, you know, had, had a good time, you know, um, and then thereafter I went to school. So we, we literally had a long stretch between us where we did not communicate. I went to Elizabeth city, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth city state university, um, we were some of the best years of my life, you know. I that's the I was, part I wanted, that's the part that we need to get to right there. Because honestly, and I left something out. I, I left something out. I left two key people out from my time at James Martin in West Charlotte. Uh uh Lucretia, Shay, and Shay, and Takar. <laughs> we, right. all, we all traveled from one school right. to another. But right. the thing is, is that me and Takar went to West Charlotte. But Prisha then went to Vans. Prisha so, came uh, to West Charlotte after a while. She did come after a while, right? Yeah. I thought, okay, so we all traveled, you know, stayed that connection. But them, them the three people I left out, so they on that, I don't want them to feel like I done left them out. <laughs> I done named everybody that I, you know, that I traveled with. But that's the point that I want to get to right there at college because when you get from high school, you go through all these things in, in high school and in the home. But then you get this freedom. Right. And because I was so sheltered, um, and honestly, Leslie, well, let me stop calling her Leslie. My mama, she, she, you know. Yeah, get that right, because she gonna kick, she gonna say something. <laughs> she loosened up a little bit and basically allowed, you know, I was I went to the parties and stuff, you know, she'll drop me off and then, you know, it came to the point where the parties would get shut down early and you know, she'll be a little ticked off, you know, because she had to come back and pick me up. Um, but with me being a church kid, I would honestly say my mom had to um she had to find a balance. Um, Cause when I say I'm a I'm a church kid, I didn't just grow up a church kid. I grew up in holiness, you know, <laughs> a holiness church long kid. Skirts, no makeup, long skirts, no, no makeup, no jewelry. You know, you know, we going to the movies. You know, that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? So we're not cutting your hair. We're not dying your hair. And going to the movies was a problem because you're sitting in the dark. Right, exactly. You see what I'm saying? That's the old, that's the old school holiness. Old church. school holiness church. I'm talking about, I'm, these locks in my hair now would be a no go. You see what I'm saying? These lashes, you know, <laughs> my my god daddy called me a Jezebel all the time. You know, <laughs> shout out to my god daddy Reggie, Reggie Bostic. He calls me a Jezebel all the time because of my lashes, because of my nails. You know, but he is a old school but, back in the day but, holiness. But listen. Let's just just go ahead and clear the air, break the ice. He's not really meaning that. Yeah, he don't really mean that, y'all. That's just that's how he love on me. That's how he love on you. That's how he love on me. Shout out the um, right. Exactly. Go ahead. So basically, um, 
I was so sheltered. When I went to Elizabeth City, Elizabeth City State was six hours away from Charlotte. Never knew that I could drive six hours and still be in the state of North Carolina, but we was literally on that border. We were literally 30 minutes away from the Virginia State line. Um, so being- EC, my, for people who don't know, Elizabeth City University, Elizabeth City, City State, State, State yes. University, home yes. of the fighting Vikings, Mighty Vikings. The who? Mighty of the Mighty Vikings. Mighty Vikings. Okay. Yes, there you go. Lame. So, <laughs> that, well, don't do that. <laughs> so basically, we went. I went to school my freshman year. Um, I lived my life. I will honestly say, um, I still had that that church, and that's the that's that's what's important. Before I even go there, the foundation that my mom instilled in me when it came to God period I don't even want to say church because church is just a building you see what I'm saying but the foundation that my mom instilled in me when it came to God even though I I participated in things that I knew my mom disapproved of um I knew God was you know wasn't pleased with I still had that voice in the back of my head when I knew I was doing wrong, even though I, you know, I, I still did it, you know, so my freshman year, I met some of the best females I could have ever met. I, I still cool with them to this go day. Ahead, go ahead and shout out your friends. We don't talk all the time, you know, but those are my girls, Ashley Bays, my best friend, JJ, y'all know who JJ is. That ain't no secret. Um, Holly, Jasmine, Mayo, like I met so many amazing women um at elizabeth city state i'm i met so many people it it, it go forever if i call out everybody's name but i still you know still hold those women dear to my heart you know every they were you know part of my wedding you know all of that so my life at elizabeth city i went through things i experienced things i was in situationships i don't even want to say relationships situationships where um I went through things and I when I look back at look back on it now I had to learn it was all a part of me becoming who I was it was all a part of me learning and growing and becoming advanced um in regards to um who God was gonna who God was gonna make me to be who God was going to call me to be. Um, and basically, by the time we reconnected, I was out of school. Um, I was back home in Charlotte. I had failed out of grad school for the first time. Failed <laughs> um, out of a grad school, got kicked out, because if you know, there's no Fs in grad school. So you get that one F, you you know, you up out. And you can only get about two Ds before they kick you out. Um, and I fell during that time, I was online to be um, a part of Delta. Um, my line sisters, you know, my babies, my heart. Um, and, you know, just kind of, I, I kind of lost the view of what I was in Fayetteville to do. And I ended up getting kicked out and Went through another relationship, one of the worst relationships of my life. And what's crazy is in 2015, I found, I seen you in the, the people you may know on Facebook. And I just added you, I just added you as a friend, just to 
just to see what you were saying when you you added me back and you messaged me and, and said that epic line, hey stranger, that everybody say. That's so like, I think that's in every young African American male back pocket. Right. That hey stranger. In a long time you say hey stranger. Right. Or or what they say, hey big head, or, or something like that. Right. Right. So I message you, okay, and, and, and you say, you know, you went through all these situationships and everything like that and mm -hmm. through your college years. So let's transition transition that part portion to where I come into play, um, to where I was at leading up to that time. You were in DC. I was in DC at the time. You were in DC at the time. Right. Um. Let's rewind it. Go back. Mm -hmm. Before I left DC, before I left Charlotte to go to DC, I left Charlotte for a reason. Because everybody know that my freshman year of high school, I left and I went to go stay with who I consider my parents, my mom and dad, a part of my life, my life Kim and Rick Patterson. Uh, they all know. Uh, I stayed with them for a while, went through all through high school, from 10th grade all the way to my senior year, even all the way up to college. Uh, when I went to Gaston College and then transferred out and went somewhere else, I, I stayed with them and, and, and did the, you know, and they loved on me, gave me the foundation of God. I had the foundation already from my great grandmother, Gwendolyn Hinton, for those who do know mama. Uh, uh, I had that foundation already. And uh, it was just one of those things uh, to where I was fighting, I was fighting the environment that I came from to the life that I knew that I was supposed to live for Christ, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Say, oh, you got two, you got two things on your shoulders. You got a devil on this side, and you got an angel on this side. Right. It's literally a fight that I'm struggling with, going through trying to figure out who I am, trying to figure out what I am. For one, you know, I watched my mother uh struggle the whole entire time we was in DC. She always made stuff happen, you know, but I watched my mom struggle, you know, Kiana. My, I don't want to call her Kiana, but that's her name, Kiana Hinton. My mother struggled um, through a lot of stuff from the time she got out of prison to where she came on and, and, and got and got on her own, you know. And for people who don't understand, man, D.C. is a different lifestyle, man. It's, it's, it's something totally different. Like a lot of people, when I came here to Charlotte and people was like, oh, you this the hood? I'm like, the hood? What? Mm -hmm. This the hood? I'm like, huh? Right. Y'all live in a house. <laughs> I was living in the project. You know what I'm saying? Like, like housing the, the housing authority here in Charlotte is like living in a mansion compared right. to what you done been there. You mm -hmm. you seen it. Because I was like, this the hood. For real, for real. This the hood hood. You know? <laughs> so right. it's like, you know, watching her struggle, watching her go through whatever that she went through, you know, and me and my little sister, my sister Shanita. Uh, everybody know her as Nita. Uh, 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 we we see uh, uh, we seen a different. When we came here, when we came to Charlotte, I was like, "Yo, I feel bad for my family that's back in D.C. because we live in we live Good. in compared to what they living in right now." Right. So going through that, watch my struggle. Everything sixth grade, high school, boom. Now I graduate. Right. I graduate school, high school. Once I graduated high school, I get to a point to where 
try to go to Gaston College. Boom, that didn't work out. Then I went to go play. I went to go play JUCO football at uh, Southern Tech. Right, left mm-hmm. Southern Tech. Left Southern Tech. Transferred from Southern Tech. I did one semester at Johnson C. Smith. Shout out JCSU. I did one semester, and I barely did one semester because I only went to class half of the time. Right. To be honest, I had all this freedom, and I'm on baby, and I'm in a familiar place. And before that, quiet is kept. Nobody knew. I had the opportunity to be on the on the Wake Forest. I went to, went to Wake Forest uh, up up the road to try to play football for them uh, as a uh, uh, on their practice squad. You see what I'm saying? Trying, mm-hmm. I was trying. I just didn't have enough juice to do it. Right. If that makes sense. So get kicked out of, you know, I, I go to John C. Smith, do a couple, do a semester, do a half semester, flunk out of school, boom. End up meeting my best friend, Fancy, down at uh, Johnson & Wales. Everybody thought that I was a student at Johnson & Wales. Never, no, was not a student at Johnson & Wales. I was just there because my best friend lived in the dorms and that's where I would be to whatever. Finally got myself out of some situations, ran into some dudes, I'll leave those persons unnamed, but got into some situations to where I got into, you know, the drugs and everything like that, started selling drugs, started moving weight, started doing all these different things, right? I ended up getting, you know, ended up uh, making enough money uh, uh, in this drug game, whatever you want to call it, saved up some money. Then I ended up going in with the store. That you know, going in, working up there, uh, it's on trade. Everybody knew me at that time as Jeezy, you know, in the sneaker boutique, doing all these different things. That was just the name that they gave me in the street. I hated that name. I hated I that name. It's the name that they gave me in the street. So, doing that, doing this, and you know, get caught up with the wrong thing, and uh, ended up doing uh, about uh, three and a half, four months in, in, in uh, Mecklenburg County Jail, right. I leave Mecklenburg County Jail and literally it was more than three and a half months because I sat there for about two something, for like two months. And then it was like a six month thing. Uh, then I get out and then as soon as I get out, I touch down, I run to D.C. Pew. I get to D.C., right? I get to D.C. I'm still trying to find my way. I was living with my mother and, you know, her significant other and we just trying to you know, figure things out. And I'm trying to get, you know, trying to figure out what I need to do, how to do this, how to do that. Could never figure it out. But the whole time I knew that you said you, like you said, you always had that voice in your head mm-hmm. telling you what to do, but you never would listen to that voice. Right. That was the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, the Holy Ghost telling me to do certain things, but I will never be obedient and listen to or hearken or take heed to what he's telling me. Right. So the fact that I never followed the blueprint that he wanted me to go or where he wanted me to go, this is why I ended up where I ended up. Correct. So now I'm in D.C. Me and my mama, I'll tell you the truth, me and my mama was, man, we got into it real bad. I'm talking about real bad. And it was just to the point to where, you know, I was like, yo, like, I got, I got to, I got to go. I got to, I got to figure something out. Like, I can't keep living like that. I can't keep repeating these cycles of going through and doing these different things and nothing's working for me and I can't figure it out. So, yeah, boom, I'm on Facebook. And then I see you send me this friend request. Hit the friend request. Boom. I hit you up. This is around Christmas time. Well, it was before Christmas, more so October, November. Was it October, November? Mm-hmm. Because you came down before Christmas. 
And we were uh, talking a while before then. Well, I because I came down to see my grandmother for something. December 15th. That's the day you came down. December 15th. Okay. But we were talking way before then. So I um I uh what was I saying? Okay, boom. Okay, so I, I get 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 in the inbox, get you up. Hey, you coming to Charlotte for you coming to Charlotte for such and such? Oh yeah, I'll be down there for you know blase blah. Boom. Then that happened, right? Right. So I get to Charlotte. I stayed at my grandmother's house for what? About not even a night. I think I stayed with you till like. <laughs> you didn't even stay a night. I didn't even stay a night. I stayed like five minutes and then, no, about. No, you stayed a whole like an hour. I had to go to work that day. It was like an hour or some change. All right. And then picked me up and then boom, that's where I've been ever since. Right? Mm -hmm. But now we're going through the process of dating and our insecurities that we have with, with ourselves and even the insecurities that we have with ourselves caused us to have problems in our in our in our relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend right right and not only of us not taking care of those problems even though we went through marital marital counseling with the greatest pastor on this side of heaven pastor mm -hmm. we went to we went through uh his marriage marriage counseling and uh did all these different things and had to uh uh had to um, uh, establish what husband and wife were supposed was supposed to be, was and how it was supposed to be according to God's word, right? Right. So we went through that marriage counseling, did all these things. We have insecurities, you have insecurities, I have insecurities, and our insecurities caused big problems in our marriage because you had a lot of situationship. You had a lot of stuff going on because of guys that you dealt with. I had major issues. When I say major, I mean major issues to where it was just, it was just bad. You know, just right. to be honest, I'm gonna just be real. It was bad, and it caused more than it caused more problems in my relationship than I wanted it to, because of my insecurities and because mm -hmm. of the things that I dealt with and right. the things that I didn't take care of as a man before I actually took that step to say, hey, let's get married. Right. Right. So we go through all that. Boom. We get married May 6, 2017, right? Mm -hmm. We had these, even before we got married, we had two individuals or more than, let's just say more than one individual that was very highly upset that we were in other situations because they had opportunity to do so, but they never executed, right? Right. But even with us having the opportunity, even with us being together and being a union and being in a relationship, Let's just be honest and be transparent for the people. It's a lot of things that we didn't execute. Yeah. And we weren't transparent enough with each other. I agree. We were so selfish with one. We were selfish in our own way to where we couldn't make it work. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, let's talk about how the marriage started. Um, I feel like our marriage. So, I mean, most people will look at, you know, us reconnecting and uh, reconciliating with each other and feel that we moved too fast. We, we went into it fast. You know, you right. came down December 15th of 2015, May of 2016, we were engaged, you know, and then what's that, five months? Yeah. Five, six months. We engaged in five to six months and then... Um, May of the next year, we're married. So, um, 
I can honestly say we went and we we moved at our own pace. That point in time, we did not allow anybody on the outside to alter, you know, where we were going or what we were going to do. You know, we knew we were going to get married. So when we got married, um, that day was hectic, beyond hectic. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. But um, I, I would say that that's that was the the happiest day of my life when I got married. I, it's just, I don't, we, I don't think we, we, we went through the marriage counseling. But we didn't go through the marriage counseling. Let's put it like that. Right. We were there, but we weren't there. Right. And I do believe and I honestly can say that our marriage counseling absolutely was the best thing for us. Literally. But we didn't apply it. It's exactly. Exactly. Never applied it. Right. When you have two individuals who are from two different areas, from two, even though we know each other, but we're from two different dynamics. Uh-huh. I live the city life. You live the city life because you lived in Charlotte, but your city life was a lot slower than my city life. Right. Right. So me having attributes and things that I brought from D.C., from that DC mentality, even though I lived in Charlotte, I always had a DC mentality. I always had that hustle, that go, that I gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta be on the move, gotta do this type of situation. I have to be known, I have to go. I, I had that mentality, but that mentality did not work for the environment that I was in when it came to me trying to grow up and be a man in a relationship. Right. If that makes sense. Right, absolutely. I feel like we both, um, we had, we both had a lot of going up to do. And um, we got, we, we, we married each other and we, we, we didn't understand it. You know, we, we didn't understand, we didn't understand marriage. We didn't understand the severity of it. Um, We didn't understand the importance of it. We, we went into marriage thinking that everything was going to be peaches and cream or everything was going to be, you know, you know, we good. You know, a lot of times, you know, we got complacent, you know, on both ends, you know, because we felt like, you know, I mean, this is it. You know, you spend a majority of your adulthood, you know, trying to find yourself and dating and trying to find um, individuals that that you can, you know, spend your forever with. So, and the, you know, oh, we known each other since with Charlotte, you know, we, we went into it. So basically with, with all that being said, we didn't have time to heal the hurt from the past. We didn't have time to fix the hurt from the past. And that's where we failed at, you know, because you know, you you had came out of a, a, a dark relationship. I had came out of a dark relationship, you know, and I still, you know, was, had, you know, individuals, you know, hanging on to me from my past, you know? So my thing is, we, we didn't have time to grow. We didn't have time to figure out who we were and that bled into our marriage. And see, that's the thing that, what we're about to get into right now, even with that, um, talking about those wounds that were never healed. Um, 
remember even in the bible remember this is this is this is all ministry what we're doing here for those who are listening um this is to help uh the young millennial marriages the people who are from the ages of what 18 to 35 whoever getting yeah or looking to get married looking to get married whatever whoever you are this is this is ministry right here for for you all um um for us to to go forward and to share and to be transparent about what this how we were in a dead space how we had a cold blue but the matters of our heart the matters of our hearts weren't in order right so we both had dead things in our lives. We tried to continue to walk into a situation where we thought was going to flourish with open wounds. And we didn't allow those wounds to heal. Only thing we did, if we could be transparent, was all we did was put a Band-Aid over it, patched it up, and kept it moving. And let's just be real. Even though we have key persons in our lives that we dealt with, when we say there was situationships, the quiet is killed. It's probably been a lot more situationships than there was relationships. Relationships. Right. right. There's a lot more, even from the people that's known and the people that's unknown, because you come in contact with people all the time, especially when you're moving the way you're moving during the time of your, and your, your 20s is the years where you just like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm just going to live life. I'm just going to do me. Yeah. But even in that, we have to understand is that, you know, the Bible says that it talks about these soul ties. Mm-hmm. Because even though you're not in a relationship with someone, nine times out of ten, if you're talking to somebody, you done laid down with them. Right. You know, you didn't have you done had sex, you done have whatever, and we just keeping it real. But we took all of those things that we had almost in a knapsack, carrying it around for years, right? But then when we get to each other, we still carry around this stuff. But when we get with each other, it's like we take it off our shoulder and put it down, but our hand is still holding. Right. That makes sense. You don't take it off and put it down and let it go. You take it off, put it down, because now you feel like where I am right now, this is a rest stop. If that makes sense. Right. And I'm saying rest stop in the sense of saying, okay, I think this is going to go somewhere. I'm a hold. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna do what I got to do to stick it out with this person. I know that it's going. I know. I feel in my heart that I want to be here. Uh, but I, 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 I can't. I, I still holding on to some, 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 to some junk. Right, and that was actually part of my problem because if you remember, I continued to ask you in the beginning of our relationship, "Is this real?" I continued to ask you that. I continued to say. You know, I don't believe this real. I don't, is this real? You know, I don't really believe that you're here. I mean, I see that you're here. I you're here physically, but I don't believe that you're here mentally. You know, and that's coming from dealing with situationships and having those different soul ties to different individuals who weren't meant in purpose for me to even be connected with in the beginning. So that that played a part too you know with me still trying to trying to hold on to you know because this this ain't ain't gonna work I gotta be able to you know pick back up where I left off you know I gotta be able to jump back into the game where I where I left off it you know so are you really here you know and I think when we got engaged you know 
yeah, you were you were still here, but I don't like you said, I didn't fully take that off. I didn't fully, you know, mentally, I didn't fully take that off because I was so used to operating independently and doing what I wanted to do. Which was a which was a bother for you, right? I mean, it was a bother for me, but also quiet as kept. We both had those issues. Right. Right? Because I'm in familiar territory. Charlotte is familiar territory for me. Very familiar, right. Because I was well known out there and, and even in the things that I did, you know, it was familiar territory. So it's like, okay, if this don't work, I'm in Charlotte. I know plenty of people. Right. I can bounce back quick, just right. like that, and be straight. Right. You know, but see, that's the mindset that kills something good that God has for you. Right. Because you got it in your mind that, oh, this ain't, if, if this don't work, I can jump right back, back into the game. But mm -hmm. you jumping back into the game means that you jumping back into the game, picking that same bag up, carrying it over your shoulder for years and years and years and years, and you dealing with hurt and pain and struggle and all these different things. Right. Then you back, you right back to square one. Right. Right. So, we dealt with all these things, and I mean, you know, we don't have, we ain't got to talk about everything on the, on this, you know, right now because it's a lot that we could go into. But right. to give the, you know, give the content of what we're talking about, cold blue matters of the heart. Long story short, we were struggling within ourselves, struggling in our relationship to where it caused us to struggle in our marriage, and when we struggled in our marriage, it was bad. I mean, let's just be real. And a lot of people don't know that because we handled our business behind closed doors. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is that, yeah, I was the type of person to voice my opinion to my family and sometimes like that, you know, when that was a problem for you or even to, you know, as you would say, uh, emotionally venting to somebody else would, right. would, would cause, you know, issues or, you know, just a whole lot of stuff that, you know, that would cause major problems in it, right? Right. But, the fact that we, one thing that I, one thing that I can say, and what I thank God for is not being exposed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Not, not in the, and not in the way that, you know, it could have blown up. Yeah, you it know. could have blown up big time. Big time. It could, I mean, it could have been, it could have been literally World War Three bombs of the Baghdad blown up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because of the things that happened. Right. But even, even in that mess, you know, us handling our business behind closed doors, and this is where I get get right here, and this 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 is where, where I'm so thankful for God's word because, you know, he even said himself, Jesus even said himself, he said he didn't come for those who were well. He didn't come for those that, that were all, you know, well and good. You know, he comes for those that are sick. He comes for those who has the problems. He comes for those who come from, uh, for those who have come from different places. So I feel like what we went through was all in his plan. And that's crazy because many people, people don't understand the mind of Christ. And we will never understand the mind of Christ. It's not meant for us yeah, meant to for understand it because our thoughts yeah. are not his thoughts. You know, that's what the Bible tells us. You see what I'm saying? But when we look back on everything that we went through, we had to go through it 
because look at yeah to get to this point because where we are now so we had to be we had to be who we are we, we had, had to, to cut each other right you see what I'm saying? we right. had to hurt each other um we had to i had to make you uncomfortable you had to make me uncomfortable we had to grow some type of animosity in our hearts towards each other in order for god to fully fix but that sounds so crazy though you, you you get what i'm saying just in the mindset of even to the unbelievable or even to somebody who's not married you just said we had to hurt each other we had to have animosity we had to do this we had to do those we literally had to be enemies for a while right we get to this point right but why so that's, because that's the biggest question why so because our marriage is not for us. I mean, it's for us, but it's all for the glory of God. That's one thing people have to understand. What we do is for his glory. It ain't for our glory. It's for his glory so that there can be an example, so there can be a picture, so there can be an image painted of who he is and what and the things that he does. You know, I see a lot of, of things and a lot of posts on social media where, you know, um, I've seen one today, women shouldn't have to suffer you know, to be loved or to order in order to feel love. That's all perfect and dandy. You know, that's that's realistic. That it can be realistic for somebody else, but let's be real. It, it's it's just not realistic because what one thing we need to understand is that when you marry somebody, you marrying more than one person because they're going to evolve. They're going to change. They're going to alter. You know, they're going. They're not going to be the same exact person that they were when you said I do, or when you got engaged, or when you started dating. So that because people evolve and because people change, some things are going to come out that's going to hurt you. And that doesn't necessarily mean infidelity. That doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, um, when you communicate outside of your marriage, it, doesn't, it could be, you know, finances. It can be stability. It can be so many different things that hurt you in your marriage. Because one thing people need to understand is that love isn't what marriage is all about. There's other components that go along with that. So when those other components play, come into play, everybody think, you know, people marriages end because of infidelity. That's common. However, people marriage end over finances, you know, not being stable, you know, not being able to keep a job, you know, th different things because we, we, we evolve. Let's and see. at the end of the day, we're still becoming a different person we're still trying to learn who we are midlife crisis what what that's something we thank god we ain't got to go through in no time soon you know but <laughs> that's something we gonna have to go through you know together and there's going to be some changes and i'm pretty sure it's gonna be a time where you getting on my nerves and i'm getting on yours you do that now so let's <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, we, we do that now. You know? We do. And, 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 and my thing is, is that I believe that we had to go through the, we had to go through the trenches. We did. To get through the mess, to get to here. 
Right. Because now here is a place to where we can get on this platform and say, okay, man, look, this is what happened. This is how it is. This is what I went through. I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. Yeah, I did this. Yeah, she did that. But we're good. Right. Right. But we're only good because of the word of God. We're only right. good because we put our faith in Christ and we allow him to be the center of the relationship. Let's just be real. Even when we was in church and we was we was going through. We ain't never left church now. Church. church. And we ain't never left church. And we that's just, what people fail to understand. They feel like because we were in church, oh, and because he was a, a minister elect, you know, you, you've been an elder for a little over a year. Yeah, yeah. it was a year. January 11th will be January a year. Will be, a year. be a year since you've been an elder. Um, so people think because we're in the church that things are easy and one thing i one thing that people don't understand um it ain't it's not easy you know i tell anybody that it's not easy and i will and you got to look at our age too that's the, you have to look at our age that's the thing that's what i want people to understand too cold blue matters of the heart we are two we are two millennials. We're still two individuals. Mm -hmm. We're right. So people, when God don't look at us as look at us as individuals, He look at look at us as, as one. But we do have two separate salvations. Let's just be right. Honest. Right. Your own salvation. I got my own salvation. Now I got to stand before God. You, you got to stand before God. God. I right. Got, I ain't going to hell for you, and you ain't going. You to ain't going to hell for you. Right. So, but at the same time, it's like being a millennial being married in the culture that we live in and being from the different dynamics that we're from, it is the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that to discourage anybody. I'm just being real because there's still some things that I want to do that I can't do. Exactly. I want my boys to call me up and be like, hey, bro, we going to the strip club. You trying to come? Exactly. Absolutely. Right. Hey, bro, we about to go smoke this blunt. We about to go get, do you want to come? absolutely right you know like right. but the fact that i have surrendered myself exactly and i surrendered my life right Christ, i can't do those things i have to stay focused and you and i know what focus means mm -hmm. follower of christ under submission. submission right i have to be submitted i have to stay focused because I can't go back to the things that I used to do when he's trying to give me abundant life this way. Right. Is it boring? No. Is it trying? Yes. Do I still have fun being saved the millennial being yes. Absolutely. Yes. I just can't go out here and wild out and be, you know, be something that I just can't do it. So what it, but what people don't understand, it's easy to do that. It's so easy. It's so easy to, because at the end of the day, when, when I, you know, and I, I was a major piehead, you know, that's what I did all day, every day, you know, and my mom would contest me about that. And my reasoning to her would be, I'm grown and I can do what I want to do. You know, I was living in my own apartment. I was paying my own bills. You know, I know when you come to my house, it smells like a pound, but this is my house. So I'm going to do what I want to do. So we're in, when we grow up, we become this person and it's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. But it's so easy. 
you know, and nothing worth living for, nothing worth fighting for is easy. So eternal life, that's not an easy fight. You know, it's it's not something that you um, have to, it's not something that you can just get by, just by, you know, doing doing whatever doing whatever you want to do and you know we constantly have to check ourselves you know constantly have to check ourselves we get invited to stuff all the time but where i am now will my example be shown where i am now will my the god that's in me will it show you know i'm an elder's wife now I, and I'm pers- I'm particularly not a title person. You know, I, I'm not I'm not for the titles. That's just something that's not within me. You know, I don't even like to be called Sister Hen. You know, call me Tish. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So my thing is we have to my my soul and where I want to spend eternity is worth me fighting for. And if it's just, we all have things that's worth fighting for. And some, we have to discipline ourselves. We have to train ourselves. We have to say, no, I can't do that. We have to say, no, I can't do that. Just like, you know, when we're trying to lose weight, we have to discipline ourselves. There's things that we, we're not going to eat. You know, we may want this sweets or we may want this bread or we may want this or we may want that. No, I can't have that because I have an ultimate goal. This is just, a longer ultimate goal that that we we neither one of us know you know when that ultimate goal is going to be met only god himself knows and let's just be honest 2020 even though we i thank god that we made it to 2021 even though we still dealing with this pandemic and dealing with you know coronavirus and everything like that 2020 was a year for me that i've seen so many people that i know even family members just drop dead right right not even from COVID though. From other stuff. From other things and, and, and gun violence and street, especially back home in DC, it just seems so many people just just die every right. day. You see what I'm saying? So it's like nothing against them, but my ultimate goal is for me to live here, but also live after my life is gone from here. Absolutely. Right. So I'm trying to train. I'm I'm in training. Right. I'm in training right now. For the ultimate prize, for for I can hear well done at the end of my at the end of my life. Right. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, being millennial, being saved, being married, man, we had our struggles, we had everything that we went through, but because we kept Christ at the center of it all, right, we were able to be successful and we're able to you know be able to be kept. But you have to want to be kept. And let's right. be real. Sometimes even being saved, we don't want to be kept. We just want to say, I just want to do whatever I want to do, you know, but too much, and too much is given, much is required. Exactly. And, and, and anybody that's in ministry that who doesn't say that, that they don't have that, I just want to do what I want to do moment, they lying. Lying. And I don't, and I don't, it's not even with, it's not even with the age because we have people who's been doing this for longer than us. You see what I'm saying? So you're not. It's just how long do you allow that thought to to manifest in your spirit? 
you know, it's, it's going to always be a thought, you know, it's going to always be, you know, a, a question of if we want, that's what we want to do, but we know what we have to do. I believe, you know, like I said, the struggles and everything that, you know, that we went through and just the different dynamics, God had to take us through our life's course from birth all the way to now in order for us to get to where we are in this point. Right. I believe that, you know, being married and saved and as a young married couple and being saved and being in the church and me being the elder and you being the elder's wife and everything like that, it, it's not common for people. Not, not for people our age. It's not common at all. It's not. So, which makes it a, a even harder situation for us you know because we, we lack finding friends with a like mind but or married friends with a like mind but let's just be clear not saying that we throw our friends away that we had previous because absolutely everybody that i you know it, and i am too right certain things that i can't do i hang out with them i, talk, I do all that right it's just certain things that i can't do right and right. by me being an example, you don't even understand how many people that I hear to say, man, Lou, man, I'm man, I'm proud of where you are, bro. Like, I, I mean, you 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 doing something with it. You know, right. it's not like you just saying it, bro. We're actually actually seeing what you're doing. Right. We see the change. We see the drive. We see the push. You know, and that's what this is all about, is to help those. Who that we're connected to to see the difference right just like you said our marriage is not meant for us it's, it's not for somebody else mm -hmm. and what we go through and what we went through we're able it's to gonna... testify and tell somebody else that hey if we can right. do it, we can too right because god is no respected person absolutely so it's like if you went if i went through it if he can do it for me he can do it for you right so it's nothing that you can't do or nothing that he can't do to bring you out. Because the right. Bible says that even Job said, he said, when he have tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Meaning that when I go through whatever that I go through, it's not going to kill me. Right. I'm just going through the fire. I'm just being tried so that I can see how strong God is in me, but right. then I see how strong I am to go through a situation. Right. Just like when I preached about Paul and those 276 other brothers being shipwrecked. You know, the angel of the Lord came to Paul and said, you will not die because you got to get the wrong. Right. You going to lose the ship, but you're not going to lose your life. Right. And everybody that's connected to you that's on this boat, they're going to live too because of you. So you got to, we have to look at it as if our marriage is the portion of our life that's going to give people life because of Christ. Exactly. Right. And and honestly, I, if it wasn't, honestly, um, Bay Lewis, I don't feel like if it wasn't for Christ, I don't think we would still be together. Oh, no, no. I don't think we would still be together at all. No. You know, if it, if it wasn't for Christ, I, I just feel like it would, it, it just would have been, you know, over I, and done with. I'll you be know. honest with you and to be transparent with you for people that are listening and people that know us. We didn't, you know, I think within the first, not even first seven months of our marriage, it probably would have been done. Yeah. 
seven, yeah. eight, nine months, it, would, it probably would have been done. Mm-hmm. Even as a minister elect, right, would have been done. And I wouldn't be at this point where I am now. Mm-hmm. But because we had to pray and fast and fight through and allow God to do what He was going to do with our marriage to get to this point, and sacrifice ourselves, sacrificing ourselves, right? We and had to. The thing that people don't understand: marriage is a sacrifice between two people, right? You have to compromise to meet people where they are. You understand what I'm saying? You wasn't ready for the eldership. Mm-mm. You wasn't ready for that at all. And you told me, I'm not ready. But because where God is taking you, I have to be ready. I can't, I cannot say, oh, I'm not ready. I have to be ready. Right. So it's like, what what, what, what do we go from here? You know, we just as Elder Mitchell would say, ride the God tide. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we did. So now that we've talked about ourselves, what is it that you would say to the millennial woman or the millennial sister who's struggling in life in their relationship, but they know that where they are is where they need to be? What would you tell them? What would you tell them, that person? Um... It's so cliche, but I would I would say trust God and, and cancel out all the outside noise. Um, as women, we thrive off each other's support. We thrive off each other's um, opinion. You know, we want to go run to our friends. We want to go say, you know, girl, this is what happened. This is what's going on. Help me figure it out. But you got to leave that. You have to leave that, that time and that intimacy and that that higher level of thinking when it comes to you and your marriage between you and God. There's things that I went through in my marriage that my mother doesn't even know. Doesn't even know at all. My sister doesn't even know. You see what I'm saying? So I had to literally get on my face before God, spend time with God and and have him fix it. And sometimes we don't know what to say to God. Our tears say enough. That's it. You know, our tears say enough. Our 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 thoughts say enough. Cause he, before we even think it, he knows. That's right. So my thing is is to trust God through it. Trust God through it. And and you have to be sincere when you pray, and you have to be specific when you pray. A lot of times people, we pray, but we're not specific with what we pray for. You need to be specific in what you're asking God to do. And there's a lot of prayers that I have put up and I have went up and put forth towards God about my marriage, about things that I needed to see change, about things that I needed him to fix. And I would see it. You know, I, I would see it change right in front of my face or right in front of my eyes. And you have to understand if you have, and then you have to also be willing to look at yourself. Yes, yes. You have to be willing to look at yourself and you have to be willing. And I'm not saying give your significant other or your husband or whoever an excuse for whatever it is that they did. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you have to be able to look at yourself and look at the things that you're doing. And you have to be willing to hear hear them out because when you come from things that I came from, 
I was always a good person in whatever, in whatever situation I was in. You know, I was always a good person. So when I got married, it was, I had this mindset of where I couldn't do no wrong or I'm not doing anything because that's how I've always been. But it can be the little things because men, sorry, but y'all, y'all are like children. So what? we, y'all are. So we have to be able to, we have to be able to understand where you're coming from. And it can be so simple as your phone being an issue and your phone being in your hand makes him think that you're, you know, you're, you're texting somebody you don't have no business texting, or, you know, you're doing something you don't have any, anything doing. You have to find a way to, uh, to address and adjust to things that makes your spouse uncomfortable. So you got to also be willing to check yourself to say, what, what things did I do? What things did I, did I not do? You know, and be able to talk to God. You have to, you have to clear the atmosphere. It ain't a time for your friends. It's not a time for your mama. It's not a time for your sister. It's a time for you, God, and your spouse to figure out what it is. And if it's not meant to be, trust and believe God will show that. God will show that. But if it's meant to be, he will also show that too. But you're not going to be able to see it or hear it if you got so much noise in the background. That's the thing. I think that's some solid advice to those who are young sisters, young beautiful queens, black queens. And it doesn't matter what color you are, you know, a human, you're human. Right. All, all the women that God has created, they're beautiful in their own way. And you are considered a queen to your husband. And uh, I do believe that uh, this is a season where God is going to start, you know, uprooting certain things in your life that don't need to be there. Right. He can put you where he needs you to be. He's going to eliminate all the junk out of your life so that he can fill you with substance and be able to go forth and be able to be this great person that you want to be, but not by yourself because there's somebody for everybody. You understand what I'm saying? There's somebody right. for everybody. Uh, God, he, he even said in his word, he created Eve for Adam because he said it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Even though he had all of the animals in the garden, he had all of these things. He named them all. But God said, this is not enough. He can't be alone. Right. So what did he do? He took Adam, set him under a tree, and made him fall asleep. And this is the first surgery that we see ever performed, and it was performed by God. Right. And what he did he do? He created Adam from the dirt, right? But he formed Eve from his rib. Same creation. Adam was created, Eve was formed. But Eve came from the, the left side underneath his heart of his body, which was his rib. Mm -hmm. We wear our wedding ring on our left ring finger the closest thing connected to your heart. Mm -hmm. So he formed Eve out of this rib and blew life into her and life into this lifeless being and then created her. And Adam woke up out of his sleep and was like, whoa, who are you? Where did you come from? Right. 
but God made it so that he would have a help me in our responsibility. And this is my portion of, 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 of charging the men, uh, the millennial men or any man who is on uh, uh, online and listening to us on this podcast as well. Your responsibility first is to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Your responsibility first is to serve God wholeheartedly. Your second responsibility is to make sure that you take care of your wife and your household, considering your children, right? But the the main thing that we have to understand is that we as men, we cannot be so lax in the things that we do. Right. We have to stay on top of things. We have to make sure we're not going to get everything right, but we have to make sure that we are in a place to where our wives hold a level of respect for us to where they say, I know my husband's going to take care of this. I don't have to worry about anything because God has given me a man who is strictly by the book and knows exactly what needs to happen. And we're not going to do those things all the time. But you also have to be understanding where your wife comes from because let's just be real, women are emotional people. Women are emotional people, but you're very strong. And how do I know that you're strong? Because... Y'all give birth to babies and there's no way in the world that I'm going to sit here and push something that big out of my body. Can't do it. I thank God I'm a man. Thank you, Jesus, because I couldn't do it. I'm going to be real. There's different aspects in life where women are strong. There's different aspects in life where you are stronger than me. Right. Mentally, book-wise, you know, there's a lot of things. My wife has just accomplished getting her master's. She's about to go back and try to get her doctorate degree. So it's like, there's so many different things that, that's, that, that you have done that has influenced me to be better. Right. Not only to be better, but that so that when I do have children, that they'll be able to say, man, my dad was, he was a special dude only because he trusted God. Right. right? So that's the main thing that I want to get to the brothers is that we have to trust God and trust the process. Let's stop rushing so many different things mm-hmm. because this generation now, this generation that we're dealing with, the millennial generation, they call us the microwave generation. We want to press a button and for things to be done. Mm-hmm. I'm still dealing with that. Thank God that he's granted me the ability to have patience now because I had no patience for nothing at all. I could sit in a drive through and, and, and say, this is too long. And I know that I'm hungry, but I'll leave because the line's too long. Right. And it's 12 o'clock at night. The only thing open is McDonald's and Wendy's. Mm-hmm. But because I don't have patience, I missed out on the meal. Even though I have food at home, I wanted Wendy's. But we have to have patience. We have to be understanding. And there are some areas in our lives where we don't compromise the word of God, but we compromise some certain things in our marriage so that the marriage can be healthy not compromise in a bad way. But if it's something that she want to watch on TV and you watching the game, all right, man, give your game, give your game time up and watch something with your wife to be a compromise, right? Cold blue matters of the heart. You know, there's no dead, nobody's dead in Christ. There's no dead situation in Christ. There's no dead situation when you trust him. Because even in, you know, it says that, he said in the word, he says, when you when we come to him, we are a new creation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a new creature. You know, uh, there's nothing dead in him. There's nothing dead in you because of who you are. And, you know, uh, if you are in a cold, a cold blue state right now and you're listening to us, 
It's time to make a change. It's 2021. It's a new year. Let's start the year off right and allow God to revive that, that dead situation in your life. Take away the dead things and put some life into you. Um, and the only way that you can do that is if you come in contact with him and actually have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Cold Blue Matters of the Heart. This was an agape, one God, one love. We presented today, Cold Blue Matters of the Heart. I am the host, once again, Elder Lewis Hinton, a.k.a. Lou the Chosen. I was on here with my beautiful wife, Tish Hinton. We shared some things with you all. We hope that somebody was touched by this podcast on tonight. Listen, this is an a, a ongoing thing that we're going to be doing. It's just the beginning. It's the first of the year. I'm looking forward to seeing God do some mighty things in your life. And I'm challenging you to allow him to revive the dead thing that is in your life. This is a new year. I got it. You got it. We got it. So let's just do it because it's already ours. We already won because of who he is in our lives. Once again, this was Agape One God One Love, Cold Blue Matters of the Heart podcast. Check us out on Anchor. Check us out on all major platforms. You can follow us on, on Facebook at Agape One God One Love. Also on, a, on a Instagram at Agape Urban Brand Clothing. One. Again, Agape Urban Brand Clothing One on Instagram, on Facebook, Agape One God One Love. You can follow me on Facebook at Elder Lewis Hinton on Facebook. Also, you can find me on Instagram as Official Hinton. And let's go ahead and give them your plat your uh, social media platform. You can find me on Facebook um, at Tish Hinton and on Instagram at OJ's for days. That is my college Instagram name. You guys have had it since college. My best friend gave me that name. I have not changed it, but it is OJ's with a Z for days. On OJ's Instagram. Days. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right, y'all. Listen, we thank y'all. We bless y'all for tuning in. Listen, stay tuned for some more for some more content. It's only up from here, and we out. <laughs>